On today's show, it's part two of the mailbag. Let's talk about Evan Mobley and Darius Garland ceilings to start. Let's dive in. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. All right, the music you heard on the way in is from our friends at Astro Radio, and today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 back in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com backslash Locked On to get started. I'm Chris Manning. That's Evan Damerell. Thanks again to Jake Stevens, as always, for production. So to start, here's our first question, part two of the mailbag. We had two people ask questions about Darius Garland and Evan Mobley against each other. XR Sway on YouTube asked, if you had to predict which player has the better peak, Garland or Mobley, and then Demetrius Lockridge3290 asked, it's a great name, by the way. Did, that's that's a Demet- long, that, 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 that's like, but if your name is Demetrius Lockridge, like, you're a powerful person and like that's just like yeah like are you industrial six five and like yeah six five you beard. wear a top hat yeah. with like a big beard and like you live in industrial london um but you're kind to the little orphans in the street and stuff you're not like a scrooge situation i don't know i'm, I'm just playing this out in my head now let's just keep going with it yes let's go to the What's question the question uh who would you rather keep long term mobley or garland me personally i would take mobley oh. as i feel he has the higher ceiling versus an undersized guard Garland shooting makes his potential just as high, though, but I feel it'd be more of an uphill battle to build around. Here's just the first thing I will say, Evan. I'll turn. I'll let you answer this first. I don't think they're going to have to pick one or the other. I don't think so either, but the question is, who would you rather have? And it, it, at first, when you said peak, I'm thinking, well, it's probably going to be Darius Garland because you look at just like from a pure offensive standpoint, I think Garland's game is just different than Mobley's because Mobley expends so much energy doing everything else on the floor like defensively offensively the non-counting stats stuff but like Garland I don't want to say has like a much more basic game to him but like it's score pass uh play passable positional defense and sometimes provide good help defense and just like more so be like the chess master on offense um that's that's his role and like if you like want to look at a peak like yeah it's a clear understanding of that plus it's also a guard-driven league predominantly. Like, the guards are going to have more opportunities to score, and, like, you're going to see more and probably remember more from what Darius Garland did, unless, like, you're an absolute sicko who remembers, like, every single defensive highlight Evan Mobley has, which I I do. But, like, from the defensive standpoint, or, like, a ceiling thing, like, yeah, it's Mobley. It's just, like, based on what we know right now, Garland, to me, has a much more clear higher and this is, of course, this could change. This conversation could change a lot if Mobley shows us some different things on offense in year three. But like for now, it's to me, it's Garland. I think. To, I think right now, Garland's the better player. Yes, I think that's true. I think the answer for higher ceiling though has to be Mobley because what Mobley is is a potential two-way monster. Mm-hmm. Mobley is this guy. Who is gonna? Who's already changing the game on on the defensive end? He is someone who is, I think, going to win a defensive player of the year award at some point. I I feel very confident in projecting that forward and saying that. I think this is someone who's going to make some all. Could be this year. I think he's going to make some all NBA teams. 
Garland, I think, in terms of how he's going to impact the game offensively, that path is very much more linear about how he's going to impact at a high level because he's already doing it. Hmm. But Darius is net like as good as Darius is. As much as I love watching this guy play, as much as I think if there's anyone on this Cavs roster that I would trust with the ball in his hands, it's him. Like even over Mitchell, because he just always seems to make the right decision, like nine mm-hmm. out of ten times. He's not gonna. He does not have the defensive two-way upside that Evan Mobley does. No. So the answer is Mobley. Yeah, it's in terms of like long-term upside. Yes, it is Evan Mobley, but you're on the same page. Like what we know right now, and just like in terms of current impact, Darius Garland is the better player than Evan Mobley. But from what you and I hope Evan Mobley can be, and what we kind of expect him to be as a player and a prospect, we he's going to have the better career overall in terms of what he brings to the table. In terms of just like individual accolades, and maybe just like team success as well. And to circle back completely to your initial point, you don't really have to pick and rank between these two because they're both going to be with the Cavs long term. Like those two are your franchise cornerstones. You build around them. Like yes, you have Donovan Mitchell who is a superstar um, in his own right, but like there's going to be a point where Mobley and Garland both pass him and Mitchell is going to be the third fiddle in this uh, trio that they're building. And then like Jared Allen is the fourth banana, of course. And that's just the reality of the situation. That's what happens when you have younger players that are growing and kind of finding their way within this very grown man league. And, but yeah, like Mobley has that potential to be a two way defensive monster and also offensive monster who could be one of those players that is, transcendental enough to like change the game in a way that we haven't seen since maybe like Giannis kind of had his crazy job or even Jokic like Jokic is the most recent example in terms of just like passing as like a big and then Bam Adebayo as well like there's like Evan Mobley's kind of at that forefront of like big men being like the new revolutionary pieces the league adapts from a three-point heavy league where the big man ceased to exist to now it's still three-point heavy but the big man is just as relevant if not even more so because of what bigs are now learning to do um, at like younger levels and just applying it to the nba yeah and look i i just think you look at how you can build the best team you possibly can you need to be able to defend at a high level and more and evolve and like I just there's so much with Mobley that you can project out and think this guy's just gonna do sensational things that's at just a crazy level. Mm-hmm. And it's it's hard to like I I I just think we kind of know that's not gonna be what Garland is gonna be. Like we know that no. like we just don't like there's never going to be a world where I could see Darius Garland being like the back, like he's going to be a backbone of like a top ten offense. I think there's a world where Mobley is like the 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 backbone of like a top ten offense and like a top five defense. Like that that's the simplest way I think we can put this. At least I can put this. And there's also a reality where Evan Mobley is the guy who f- is the reason why the Cavs win so many games and probably has so much success. And Darius Garland will be a superstar player in his own right, but like he'll be like that complimentary start to Evan Mobley. And like, like you said, like he has such good decision-making and knows what to do at any time with the ball in his hands. And like Mobley is going to benefit from that. And then those two building upon that chemistry and harmony that they were like getting acquainted with last season, like that's going to be the future of the Cavs. And I think that's an exciting building block to think about going forward. And, but I agree with you, like Mobley just has more impact on either end of the floor that will 
make or break or shape just the future of the Cavs uh, as long as he's with the team. Uh, he's going to get a Mac. Just, just as another oh, he's, question, but he's, he's going to keep, he's uh, getting he'll, a Mac. He'll year. never, the Cavs will never let him go unless like something completely unforeseen happens, of course. But that's what I said. Like if he's still like, as long as he's with the team, like the, I'm saying like at the end of his career, if he like wants to go like play in Los Angeles, cause he's from that area, like that's fine. But I'm saying like for the prime of his and peak of his career and like the highest of highs, like it's going to be with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, he they're in they have such a like as much as you can assume you have a window with two guys right now, the Cavs have them with this well, two guys and that's an advantage. Let's put it this way. Um depending on how you feel about John Morant and off court stuff notwithstanding, like the Cavs got the best or second best player from that draft class, and then in Mobley's draft class, they got the best player overall. And like that's an incredible place to be comparatively to a lot of teams that are wishing they're in the same spot Cleveland was in terms of just being so young, but also like chomping at the bit to become like the next up and coming. Yes. All right. Coming up next, got some more mailbag. We're going to turn our attention to Jared Allen as a shooter. Going to shoot that one down. Talk about that up next. Today's episode is brought to you by today's title sponsor, and that is our friends at FanDuel. Right now, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. So snap into the action this NFL season and the starting NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Remember, that's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Remember, visit FanDuel.com for money lines, props, all of that, and they have a bunch of great NBA bets if that's more your jam. And it might be because you're listening to Lockdown Cavs. All right, we're back. So Josh uh, Reisinger, who's going to get two questions answered today because he asked a lot of questions on, on, on X. So good for you, Josh. Thank you. But uh, would, he asked, would you be interested in seeing Jared Allen try shooting threes this season? He had a confident set shot last season for mid-range. I would note, editor's note here, that's been a multiple season thing, but I digress. And he said, it's not like it's unprecedented nowadays for non-shooting bigs to turn into solid shooters once they actually try it. Here's what I would say, very bluntly. Jared Allen's not going to become a three-point shooter. I'd be stunned if he has like a Brooke Lopez um, career revitalization like like, okay, let's. Jared Allen is the offensive player. Let's describe what he does right now. He dunks, he screens, he rolls. He has that ability to hit that flat footed jumper from the midi sometimes. He Decent runs. enough free throw shoot. Runs, he runs the floor well. He has like a very core big man skill set. It's very effective for what he is. The big you should be asking about shooting threes. It's Evan Mobley taking like corner threes. It's not Jared Allen suddenly running like being the the, the pop out guy in a double drag set where he's getting a, a clean look from three and like a or, guard is rolling. Or Tristan Thompson brings it back. Nope. Dribbles well, completely early into a shot clock and just hoists up a three pointer. Like moments well, like that. I mean, you do younger younger fans may not like know this that this was like a thing with Tristan. Uh, Go back to more so a product of like John Bayline. Um, well, oh, no, no, we no, no, no. The that's hand not, switch not, thing. Yes, 
So okay. if people want to go read something really cool and learn about some Cavs history, and if you're a little bit younger, go read this and like go read Lee Jenkins. You know, read Lee Jenkins if you don't even know about him, and I hope you all do. He was to me the best NBA feature writer we had for like a long, long time. He wrote for Sports Illustrated. He now works in the front office for the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, people, if you're watching me shake my head aggressively, Lee Jenkins is so good. One of my, one of my favorite the- pieces he wrote was the Kobe Bryant uh, Stonecutter story. So, like, it's just like he's got so many good bangers. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a great story about Michael Kidd Gocrest and Michael Kidd Gocrest Stutter. Um, he was the one, obviously, who went to... LeBron is the he's the reporter that LeBron and his team like summoned to Las Vegas to get the exclusive when LeBron was coming back. Like that's who he was for this like long stretch. We and we miss there is there is an era of NBA writing that doesn't feel like it exists in the same way anymore. That was like features of superstars. You got like a you got a bunch every year, often at SI, often ESPN, and you got and they were just like these amazing things. And like we just don't get them in the same capacity at the same volume anymore lee jenkins was when he left i was like this sucks man because it just that went away but the story he wrote i'm gonna google and tell you the exact name of it um tristan thompson so tristan thompson his like rookie or sophomore year can't remember which it was a sophomore year he switched from being a lefty to a righty because he wasn't making a single free throw his rookie season and this is also when tristan had no offensive game where he would literally like wind up for 20 seconds and try and dunk the basketball and either he got fouled or he dunked So, so Lee Jenkins also had a Kyrie story in 2012. That was that's worth your time as well if you want to go all the way back. Um, Tr- Tristan, he wrote a story about Tristan Thompson switching hands and trying to make Tristan a shooter, and that was Tristan. I think this was 2013. Uh, this was yeah, this was August of Ben Goliver has a news story about it. Oh my goodness, what a time that this was. The SI staff at that time was just. Fantastic, but good. So, the, to get back to the actual question, the the Jared Allen is not going to shoot threes, and he doesn't have to to be an, uh, a useful center. I can understand Evan if long term people are thinking, okay, maybe Evan Mobley is not going to provide you the spacing you need, correct? And you need to find like a, a Lopez, center who can shoot a, a Lopez yeah. like player. But like, hey, those players are very rare. Yeah, like. They're very rare. They're not. They're often, even if they can shoot threes, they're not as good as Jared Allen is overall. Like you're making a trade off. Yeah. And I just, I don't see a world where Jared Allen is ever going to shoot threes. Like, like Rudy Gobert was shooting threes for France this summer, and Anthony Edwards is out here acting how I would act and saying like, "I'm walking out of the arena if Rudy Gobert shoots a three name a game." It just doesn't happen. Brook Lopez is one of like a bajillion. This is not like a common thing for bigs to just suddenly be able to make threes at a respectable clip. No, and. Lopez is the evolution, and I think you look at like current bigs now. Like Bam can hit a three, but he doesn't need to. And does Miami really like have an offense that's conducive to do so? Like Jokic is a guy who can hit threes. Wemby is a guy who projects to hit threes. Uh, to your point, like in terms of bigs that need to be, if it becomes a part of their offensive repertoire, it, it's going to be Evan Mobley because he showed a bit of like that shooting upside at USC, and we saw it at times last season. And I saw it so many times whenever the Cavs are wrapping up shoot around or practice anything of him just like practicing threes all around the arc with either, with either his brother, Luke Walton, or both of them. And I think that's the path. And sure, Jared Allen has um, that flat-footed jumper. Um, he is a 
pretty i wouldn't say like reliable like he's not the guy you want going to the line in like a clutch situation but like if he gets fouled in like fast break or like he's somehow fouled and has to go to the line like you're not feeling he's a total liability he's not andre drummond at the line um so and yeah like that projects to it but also like jared allen in terms of like the the star tiers on cleveland's roster like his offensive peak kind of hit when he came to cleveland in the first place like, i think it got better and more refined because he had Darius Garland as a partner, and then like he's learning to play with Mitchell and Garland together. But you're more so focusing on like what can he provide us on the defensive side, and also are you cool with getting like 10, 12, maybe 15 points max most given nights, and that's all rim running, pick and rolls, lobs, and fast break scenarios and stuff like that. If you go into like centers who like shoot, it's like it's like Nikola Vucevic and Carl Anthony Towns, and I forgot about Cat. <laughs> and like it's it's like Steven Adams doesn't shoot them and like he's a really good center and it's like like sorry, you go to sorry, list, it's like sorry, Kelly sorry. The, the Steven Adams what, shooting thing the Korean thing he's like which one uh-huh. north or south and I'm just like oh I, I love that he was messing with that guy it's like Miles Turner like this the centers that would fit the need that you need on both ends of the floor like well okay let's just say hypothetically like miles turner is like your ideal center if you could trade for him but like yeah that's where the money things comes into it then right well i mean jared's making 20 like he's close to that like it would be like okay do you like do you want to play evan at the five and get a stretch four that's a tactical change do you want to like get like a chaining fry type who like can really shoot it but then is it what are you giving up defensively if you want to go that route? Like there's lots of this isn't just like a simple question. Obviously, the easy answer would be, hey, Jared Allen's not making threes. Like, great. I just don't, I just don't think that's going to happen. And I also I, I don't think J.B. Bickerstaff, based on how we talked about it last year, is going to be like, hey, Jared, jack some threes, threes. my dude. Yeah. yeah. And like he made one last season i want to say if i remember off the top of my head during like an actual game and like it was just like a chaotic moment but i'm gonna look I'm gonna i was look gonna say his, a tongue-in-cheek uh, tongue tongue thing is if the Cavs really want to like play evan mobley at the five put a stretch four next to him they could copy golden state and put donovan mitchell at the four like they did to clay thompson well clay thompson's gonna get like wrecked as a defensive four and donovan mitchell would he get even more wrecked as a defensive four? dude lebron's gonna eat so much when they play the warriors or like I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah. Jared Allen made one. You're right. He made one three last year. It was on I January so. 29th against yep. the Los Angeles Clippers. That is right. It was like a weird possession because they, they, they steamrolled the Clippers that game, didn't they? One by 23. Jared Allen for his career. Here, I'm going to just, just tell you his per season averages of three pointers attempted. Okay. This is a from age 19 through age 24. This is like a six-year, whatever-year sample, okay? Rookie year, 0.2. Second year, 0.6. Third year, 0.1. Fourth year, 0.3. With, uh, then with Cleveland in 21-22, 0.2. And then t- last season, 0.1. This dude is never going to shoot threes. Brooke Lopez is one of one, if that's what you're hoping for. And like Lord, Lord knows how that even happened. I still don't really fully understand it. I don't think anyone aside from Brooke Lopez and probably Robin does. We'll never know because they're back together in Milwaukee. But which is bad because then we get less Robin making fun of Brooke content, at least and I would think. So to the other point we were talking about before we head back into break, um like trading for Miles Turner, I don't see like the Pacers doing that before like that becomes like a thing. 
because Miles Turner provides that unique skill set that Jared Allen doesn't. And you have to ask, like, do the Pacers want to sacrifice that? Probably not. Yes. No. They do not. And if Especially for the paltry assets the Cavs Yeah, you'd have to, like, you're just... Let's see if Evan Moby shoots through. It's not Jared Allen. It's the TLDR yeah, let's, of this. Let's not put the yeah. cart in front of the horse quite yet. Yes. All right. Uh, coming up next, one last me question, also from Josh about Isaac Okoro on offense. Let's talk about that next. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs make the most comfortable, luscious shorts and pants that you can possibly get. You're not going to want to take them off. I feel pretty confident saying that because when I wear mine, Kind of bumped into the day when I have to, to change and put them away in the laundry. Bird dogs make you look good. They, are, they make stretch khaki shorts designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. And they fit way better than regular shorts that are made of stiff, restricting cotton. Bird dogs fixed this uncom- that uncomfortable issue for people by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dog uses anti-stink sweat-wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long, and they are functional for any occasion, a golf game, date, evening out, pool, workout, lounging, going to work. Go to birddogs.com backslash LockedInNBA or enter the promo code LockedInNBA at checkout for a free water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com backslash LockedInNBA for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise. All right, last question, again, from Josh Reisinger over on Elon Musk's platform. Um, any interest in Okora playing the four offensively? Niang would be a pretty good partner off the bench to allow this to happen. There'd be a lot less pressure on him to shoot it, and it would help get him the ball and an advantage on having to create it himself. He adds that Niang is basically a wing on offense anyway. Fact check, true. Then on defense, they swapped their more typical positions. Uh Evan, what do you think of this? What, what's your I answer to this? I don't hate the thought process behind it just because, yeah, like you could play Niang as a three on offense and basketball is more positionless to begin with. So like if you're saying like, hey, Isaac, uh, we're going to kind of use you more at like the dunker spot or maybe like would they do sash him in the corner and like they try to like get Niang going a little bit so defenses have to kind of like respect him a little bit because... Uh, Darius Garland has asked about this in terms of just like what Max Strews provides and Garland said like well it's going to give like guys like Isaac and even Jarrett more opportunities at the basket or like Isaac specifically like it's going to be easier for him to cut uh, along the baseline and get an easier look at the basket just because like dudes are going to be getting more attention on the perimeter whether it's himself uh, Mitchell, Strews, Niang like there could be some interesting roster fluidity there and yeah like if you pair those two together as an, in like a bench unit like I don't hate it let's say like you run like a lineup of like let's say Levert, um, Garland, Okoro, Niang, and one of Mobley or Allen. Like, it's not terrible. There's three shooters on the line, on the floor there, in theory. And then, like, you have Okoro, who's a bit of, like, a mystery box still in terms of what he can provide. And then, like, either a guy who could be a shooter in Mobley or a non-shooter, as we discussed in the second segment, and Allen. Um, like, the, there's some roster fluidity and versatility you could do to kind of mitigate and compensate for the fact that Okoro just isn't the shooter that a lot of us kind of hoped he could pan out to be uh, in year three and we're heading into year four. I think if you think about the, the, the movement offense they've been talking about, 
I think Okoro's potentially a benefit because I think this is hitting at what could really open up for him. He is someone that I think at times has struggled to know when to cut and has struggled to know how to kind of read defenses. I think that should, in theory, be easier for him if there's more movement, if the space is just kind of naturally open up and it's not reading a more set defense, if he's going against something that's just a little more fluid, I think that opens the door for a core to do some of this. And I think the Niang mm-hmm. shot for him is a good one. I think he needs to be on the floor, you know, pick one of the guards. Um, let's just say it's Garland, Niang, Niang or Struess, and then, like, I think Mobley at the five. I think those lineups where, like, there's a lot of spacing are a great way for Okor to find a role. Um, and I was talking to friend of the program, Justin Rohn, about this when I saw him in town. And he's like, there is a need for his skill set still. Like, I think, like, he is not the main reason. You, you don't, like, shoe change your offense to, like, create a role for a guy that has a pretty specific defensive role. Yeah. But if that's an added benefit, I kind of think I'm good, I'm happy with that if I'm J.B. Bickerstaff. If I, you can have something like this where he is maybe still standing in the corner or standing on the wing, but there's more actively him cutting into the lane, cutting into space, or at times hanging out of the dunker spot and maybe trying to be an offensive rebounder in spots. Like, I don't I don't hate that idea to see if you can get a little bit more out of him. No, I, I don't either, just because, like you said, the defensive upside that Okoro provides as, especially now with Lamar Stevens gone, like Cleveland's like best, he already was Cleveland's best point of attack defender, but like, other than Mobley, maybe the only point of attack defender the Cavs really have in terms of just like true perimeter defense. And it's now, and also like you said, like you do, you're not adapting the entire offense to a guy who isn't giving you much offensive juice or a role player like a core would begin with, but you can find ways to make it healthier and conducive for him to get easier looks at the bucket. So he's engaged on both ends of the floor and also like, yeah, there's going to be opportunities where like, hey, the defenses are collapsing on everybody else. Isaac, if you are comfortable and within the flow and rhythm of the offense and you kind of have an understanding of what your identity is like or what your um, expectations are, it makes it a little cleaner. And that does, speaking of expectations, like Karis LeVert said, heading into the season, like everyone has a pretty clear understanding of what their roles are going to be on this team going forward. And I'm curious to hear from Okoro because he didn't talk at the podium, like what is your role and expectation on offense because i think defense we have a pretty clear uh, not a clear fully clear understanding of it but a pretty good understanding of it um but like hey isaac like what what is expected of you on offense this season and if he has like some pretty clear-cut answers like that's refreshing in terms of just maybe him not really knowing his first three years all right that's it for this episode of locked on Cavs. the end of this week of locked on Cavs. i'm chris manning thanks to evan damerel thanks to jake stevens thanks to all the people who submitted questions Back so at you thank you. I'm here five days a week. I just saying thanks. Um, and for I, Evan, I'm not going to ask you to make a pick because this is more. Of, this is a Chris thing. I just want to be on the record. You people should a watch the NBA Finals. Liberty in five. Let's roll. Talk to y'all Monday. <laughs>